Who is Jesus? What is he doing? And what does it mean to follow him in the world today? My name is Matt Lewis. This is the Follower Podcast, and everyone is invited to the conversation. Hello, people in Follower Podcast land. Welcome back to the final episode in the Mountains Bow Down series. And I hope this has been really, really good for you. I've loved doing this and I've loved having conversations with my friends and even sharing some stuff with you personally. And I just hope that it's been a real gift to you in your walk and in following Jesus. Today, we have my friend Hannah Velasquez with us on the podcast. She comes all the way from California in the United States of America. And uh, we're going to be talking about the mountain of revival today. And really, it's about choosing him at the mountain of everything else. And the reason why I've asked Hannah to come on is because this idea of revival and what it means to really choose Jesus at at the mountain of everything else in our culture is key to what happened to her and what she experienced in her DTS. Mm -hmm. And I think this idea, I would say, is probably the biggest thing that I've taken out of the whole experience for myself. It's one of the keys that I'm going to take away as I continue in my relationship with God. Mm. So as always, I hope that as you watch our conversation, it's helpful for you. And if you want to have further conversation about this, get a hold of me, mattlewis.co.za. But we're going to get right in and uh, enjoy the chat. So Hannah, <laughs> this mountain happens in Kathmandu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's remember it together, right? So we had been in Cambodia. Yeah. Going through Bangkok. Yeah. Went through Bangkok. Oh, crazy. <laughs> Best smoothie ever in the history of the world. That smoothie is literally one of the highlights mm. of the entire trip for me. Good smoothies. Avocado, good. coconut smoothie. Good grief. It oh, was good. So, so, so good. And so anyway, we have this amazing week all in. We get back to Kathmandu, fired up to do things for Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And we're going to change the world and it's going to be fire. It's going to be power. I actually mm. remember Casey and our friend literally thinking he's just going to like revolutionize no. Kathmandu. It's good. We're, you we're know? fired up. Just bring all the fire. We get there, we land in Kathmandu, and we don't have any real timetable or any real kind of planned ministry. Mm-hmm. And then I remember there was this distinct day when uh, our leaders had left us to kind of plan the day by ourselves. Yeah. And we really felt like we'd come to the end of ourselves as a team. Mm-hmm. We felt like we'd reached the end of our strength. We felt like we'd hit a ceiling in our own ability. And I remember us having this conversation and saying, actually, what we feel like the primary thing for us to do here is to worship. We need to come into the presence of Jesus. Because what we could do, we could fall into the trap of just trying to do more in order to get the great story or live the revival experience or whatever that means in the world. And we'll talk about that term. But we really felt like Jesus was calling us just to himself. And so we got in one of the rooms there in Nepal and we just worshiped, man. It was powerful. Mm -hmm. And I think two things that stand out for me from that choice was number one, in my own personal life, the overflow of that decision to pursue his presence marked some of the most potent ministry that I can remember mm. in that whole trip. I remember we went into Tamil, which is that touristy area. Yeah, yeah. And man, I ended up having conversations, like this powerful conversation with some dude selling knives in his knife shop. Mm. Ended up giving him a Bible later on. As I walked out, some dude offers me drugs. I start <laughs> talking to him about Jesus. I end up praying with him in the street. As I'm done with that guy, I end up talking to another guy who's part of eventually end up figuring out that he's part of the Dali tribe, untouchables within that caste system. And I was sitting down and having coffee and cake with this man in a coffee shop in Tamil. Mind-blowing. And just like, boom, 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 boom. Just like this release 
of really pursuing the presence and trusting the overflow of that. Mm. But the other thing that really stands out to me about that time was what happened to you in that moment. So I remember we worshiping, we worshiping, we start praying. And I remember looking at you and you just break and like just tears start coming over your face and uh, well, out of your face. <laughs> you start crying. Yeah. This is deeply emotional space and it's almost like God has impacted you in a real way. So maybe tell us a bit about the story. Tell us what led to that story. What were you wrestling with and, and what did that moment mean to you? Yeah, so at that point, I, I think I was very closed off of um, worshiping. I just, I knew that it was important um, in my mind, like, but the act of actually worshiping was, was really difficult. There was just something in front of me. Um, and it had been like that for, for quite a while, that, like maybe a month at that point. Um, and so we got in there, we were worshiping, and I just, I just hit this like boundary again, like this barrier of just like, I just couldn't for some reason, something. So I usually just sit down and curl up in a ball and I'm like, what you mean? but it was like, it wasn't real. And um, there was this moment where I was like, I just, there's so much in my mind. And I remember thinking like, oh, I should, there's this really important thing that I should do. Like, you know, the worship's going on. This is a great time. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll focus on that. And then I would just remember being like, no, wait, like way I'm supposed to be worshiping. And it was like really intentionally picking worship. And I think that's what was really different for me um, in that, that particular day is that I all of a sudden was, was choosing worship over everything. Um, although the, the things that I wanted to do were, were really good, it was like, wait, this is the time to worship. Um, and I think it really helped that I was, had, the, I had 10 other examples of how, how to do that. Um, around me and just looking up at them and and being like oh like that they're just like worshiping god and so like how how can i worship god like that and um, what, what was it that you were seeing in these people around you that was moving you you know because worship yeah. is like this word we throw around what were you it's, seeing yeah it was it's because it wasn't like oh man it's not it's not worshiping out of obligation it's not mm. worshiping because um because god won't love me if i don't but it's worshiping because I love him so much, like it's just this like explosion, you know? Mm. And um, yeah, we tend to do that with music, but I love watching people do it with art, with mm. dance. Um, I know one of our friends, Hannah, is an amazing dancer, mm. and it's just so beautiful to see her. Um, and that's just another way of worshiping, but it's just this overflow of love that you have for the Father. Mm. Um, and doing it not out of obligation, because mm. it's not going to change the way he feels about you. Mm. Um, and so that's what I, and yeah, just amazing examples of seeing that around me. Um, so that was really, really cool to see. And I just, I had so much in my mind that I just, I, I didn't know what to do with it. So I do remember, um, yeah, there's this little trick that you imagine your mind as a whiteboard. And when it's like, you just imagine all the thoughts that you're thinking, all the things you need to do on this whiteboard. And then you just like you and God, you just erase it. Um, and so I've tried this a million times and it's just, nothing's happened. And I just, I did it this one time and I just really felt led to tell the whole room. And normally I don't tell, I don't really share, um, especially when people are, you know, worshiping. It's not just, it's not something I do, um, but I just really felt like I should. And I was like, okay, fine, fine, I'll do it. Um, so I ended up sharing that just like, just erasing all distractions and really like blocking out this time to worship him um, and making a very intentional decision to do that. Um, 
and that's just the moment it switched. Um, we were singing some song and the lyrics of the song just on this whiteboard. And it was just like so focused on God. Um, and so I just, I really felt like before that my mind was really crammed full of everything. And it just took a moment for me to, to really be like, no, no, no. And like continuously push that away. Um, and once I did that, there was, there was this space that now the Holy Spirit could fill. Yeah. And that's what changes everything. Like, it's not that he's, he's literally waiting there for you. Yeah. You just have to give him the space to come, you know? And it was like, oh, it was amazing. And it was so instantaneous that I was like, yeah, he wants me. Yeah. He wants me so much more than I want him. Yeah. Um, but in that moment, it was just really an overwhelm of the Holy Spirit um, because of the decision I made to just focus on him. Yeah. And this, you had actually been struggling with this for a couple of weeks because I remember, uh, yeah, a good few weeks before that, we were in the town of Birtamod. Yeah. And we were talking about how you were really struggling with this mm-hmm. connection. So it was like God was almost pursuing you and almost like building up this moment of of, mm-hmm. of that. And it seems like there's also a partnership there. In some ways, God was drawing near to you. And in some ways, there was at the right time for you to surrender to him. Yeah. You know, and he, I love that language you use that as you created the space, he flooded it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So good. And I think one of the things we talked about in Bertamode, which I think is so true around worship, is that very often we ask our emotions to lead our decisions, yeah. but actually truth has to lead our decisions. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to worship, sometimes we, like we wait until we feel like it. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that on your good days and your bad days, Jesus is still Jesus. God is still God. And so we worship him because he's worthy of it. And so when we make that decision to align our actions with truth, it's like our emotions then catch up with that decision, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's what I saw in you is like, although you weren't feeling it, although you weren't feeling it, you made this decision to step out and then the spirit responded to that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And even in Kathmandu, I, I do remember this moment of, I was just sitting there, you know, like, pretending to worship or whatever and it was just this like I don't want to but I'm mm. gonna stand up and I just like I stood up and just it was like this act of like surrendering what I feel like how mm. I feel like I feel tired I feel whatever um, and just standing and worshiping him and and I think that was another another turning point it was like a switch yeah um, yeah and then off the back of that experience, it was like, I can only tell you what it was like for me to watch you. <laughs> and not just that day, but then the days that followed. You, then you tell me what it was like to be you, right? Mm. So when I watched what happened in your life, it was like that encounter unlocked something in you. Mm. And I saw you step out into like a newness of authority Uh, all of a sudden you were hearing things from God and telling people with like this ridiculous accuracy, like like being able to share with people the heart of the Father with them in different contexts, people you'd never known, never knew. All of a sudden you knew things, you saw things. You were like operating in power. And not only it wasn't um, an ego thing, you had genuine love for these people. Like you were loving people, you know. And so it it was like as you encountered love, you became love. That's what I started to see in you. Yeah. Would you say that was true of your experience? How did you how did you feel that? Yeah, it was like after this encounter, it was actually immediately after. Um, I was, yeah, I was just so overwhelmed with what it feels like to be just like washed over by the Holy Spirit, you know. And so I'm worshiping and then we got went into this time of prayer for each other. Um, and man, it was just like, 
it was like I had seen just a glimpse of how much the father loved me, you know? And that was, and that was evident in how quickly, like, how quickly he was to just come and, like, catch me, yeah. almost, um, after this act of surrender. So it was, it was really powerful to all of a sudden see how much he loved me and realize that he loves everyone like that. Um, and it, I think it impacts more once you feel it, obviously, um, once you've experienced it and then just realizing that you want everyone else to experience it yeah, almost. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we went into this time of prayer and um, I was praying for you and one other person. And all of a sudden I was just like overwhelmed with how much love he had for people. Yeah. And specifically it was you two at that moment, but it's like in general, like he just loves people. And, and we're always called to have a heart like him. So like we should be loving people, right? Um, so as I think it was this point of, I, he just downloaded all these really cool pictures. And when I was sharing them, it wasn't even my words. It wasn't mm. even my, my thoughts, obviously. It was just a picture I saw and I just got so emotional, <laughs> started crying and just um, that when I shared the pictures with you, but it was just like coming out of this heart of love and like, like God sees you almost and mm. like he's using me to, to yeah. remind you yeah. of that. And that was such a wake-up call for me because I had that experience. Mm -hmm. You had that experience. It was like our whole team found this new life, mm -hmm. like this new overflow. And that, that was kind of the language we started using. And we started using this idea of like actually what we feel God is asking us to do is to prioritize intimacy, yeah. to come in strong into His presence, and He'll mm -hmm. send us out strong into the world, you know. Mm -hmm. And as I've been thinking about that, I've really been thinking about two two things in scripture number one john 15 where jesus says if you abide in me then you'll produce fruit mm -hmm. but if you if you try and do things outside of me ultimately you end up doing nothing yeah. right and i think in that moment we we had the temptation in front of us to try and do much in the eyes of the world that may have amounted to very little in the eyes of god because mm -hmm. it wasn't rooted in intimacy yeah. you know? and then the other passage that really stands out to me was the, the story of mary and martha and how Mary's at the feet of Jesus and Martha is busy trying to tidy up the room and somehow fulfill some kind of religious obligation. But Mary is just choosing to stay at the feet. And Jesus says this profound thing. He says she's chosen the one thing that matters most and it won't be taken away from her. And I know for you that was, that was one of the revelations that God gave you is that when it comes to choosing him above everything else, one of the things that was everything else for you was what you thought it meant to be good enough for him yeah. and how you were trying to strive into that space. Tell us a bit about that as well. Yeah, so that was actually in, in Bertimode, which was probably a month before that. Um, we had done like a 12-hour burn. What, what is that? So that we, yeah, oh yeah. We spent 12 hours worshiping, praying, yeah. just being in the presence of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so during some of the times there we were worshiping, and I think it was the last, so it was at the very end of the day, and we were all just worshiping. Um, well, so everyone else was worshiping and I was not. <laughs> and it, was, uh, it wasn't just this time, it was all the times before that. Um, but it got to this point where I was really comparing my faith to everyone else's. Um, and before that, I was, I was really trying to, I was like, oh, I'm gonna read my Bible every day. I'm gonna like um, listen to worship music. I'm gonna like have conversations with God, all this, like share how I feel, all this stuff. And the reality of that was just that, like I, I didn't have the heart to. I was just like trying to 
like do all these actions mm. that were supposed to be good and supposed to and it was like I was doing these to get close to God yeah. um, and so I'm sitting there in like this worship session and everyone's talking about how like God encountered them and gave them pictures and all this and I'm literally just sitting there like oh my gosh I have nothing and I was yeah. like it was this point where I'm like I don't know what's happening and I all I knew was like I can't worship and I, I feel like that's a really important part of something <laughs> I was like I think I'm supposed to do that as a yeah. Like, yeah and it was just like I was stuck on this like I have I had a lot of other like like why wasn't I like that about reading the Bible I don't know it's yeah. just something about worship and so I think the next day I was talking to you about it about how much I I was just like I can't worship I'm just struggling so hard like I just I'm, I'm at this wall and I feel like by by reading my Bible by um like listening to worship music by pretending to worship and sing these so the words that I don't feel anymore. Like, like I just, uh, it's not doing anything, you mm -hmm. know, and I'm, I'm trying to like break down this wall and I'm doing it one stone at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's really tedious and I'm like, one day I'll get there, you know, one day I'll get through the wall if I read my Bible enough. Um, and that's when you were, you were like, it doesn't sound always about how you feel. It's not. And it, it was just like, I was striving so hard um, to almost earn earn his love or to earn mm. that hunger that I wanted. Yeah. Um, but in reality, he just wanted to come over the wall yeah. And, yeah. and meet me where I was. Yeah, I love that phrase you said yesterday when we were talking about this. You said you thought it was about trying to beat down, or you thought it was about trying to climb over the wall. Yeah. When in reality, God was beating down the door. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's like he wants me so much more than yeah. I wanted him. And at that point, I, didn't, I still didn't understand that. And that was where that revelation in, in Kathmandu, yeah. it just changed everything. Because yeah. like it was this, this flood that came and it was, he wants me so much more. And like, I can't stress that enough. Yeah. Like I couldn't, I couldn't have read, I could have read the whole Bible. I could have underlined everything and I still wouldn't. I still wouldn't be at this point, but when you when you worship him, it was oh, it just unlocked something, mm, man. Mm. It, was, it was amazing. But yeah, I was definitely at this um, block, yeah. and yeah. yeah. And and I think uh, coming to that revelation, you know, we were in this nation of Nepal, very different religious worldview, yeah. and and that the gods of that culture they're distant and far away, and people have got to bring sacrifice and do enough and whatever. And I think one of the key things that is so different about the God that we worship. And again, not all gods are equal, right? Mm -hmm. Our God is so superior and not superior. He's just true. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and he's the one who brings real life. But the thing that's so distinctive about this God is that unlike other gods, this God starts the conversation. Yeah. This God reaches out for us. He comes to us when we were still sinners. He came for us. God so loved the world that he came, you know, this idea that actually worship is a response to something it's a response to encounter you know and so God comes and he's come in the person of Jesus already so we have that anchored in our minds but when we respond to that knowing that we are worshiping out of safety not fear mm. yeah you know we're not worshiping to get somewhere we're worshiping because we are somewhere <laughs> that changes everything you know yeah and then I think about this idea of revival and I think about how we throw this around so much particularly in our particular tribe of Christianity, everyone's talking about revival. And revival often looks like a lot of work, a lot of like filling stadiums and doing this and changing cities and all these kinds of things. And it's not to say that those things are bad, but for me, it's figuring out where revival starts. And what I learned is that revival starts on the inside. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And I think about Dallas Willard. He writes this book called The Reformation of the, of the Heart. Beautiful, beautiful thoughts. And he says a couple of things. And one, he says, first of all, if you want to really understand Jesus, you have to know that he came for a, a revival. He came for a, a reformation. He came for a revolution. If the kind of Jesus you worship is happy to leave you in your comfortable life, it's not who Jesus is. Yeah. Right? Jesus came for a revolution. But secondly, you have to understand where that revolution happens. And then he says this. He says, the revolution of Jesus is not a, rev- a revolution of external structures, but a revolution of the human heart. Because it's only when we are transformed internally that we can be transformational externally. Yeah. right? And I think that's what we started to experience, is this idea of when we, are, when we abide in him, he produces fruit through us. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I think about you know, the passage in, in the Bible where it talks about love. And it says we can do all these things if we don't have love. We're a clanging symbol. Right? All of our actions are empty outside of love. Yeah. And then I think to myself, but you can't have love if you don't know love. Yeah. And so this is why worship is so important. So as we encounter love, we become love. You mm-hmm. know? I don't know what your thoughts are around all that and, and what you see in your generation and followers of Jesus in the world today. Yeah, yeah. I love what you said about worship. It's like worship is, is a door to like seeing inside of God's heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's what, oh, that's just what's amazing. It's like when it's like seeing this love of God. Um, after that, you, you go out um, and all of a sudden there's these people you've never met, but you somehow like love them, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think this idea of revival um, is, it's so, at least for me, it's just so individualistic. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at people, um, not as like a whole, but like this individual person that one conversation of showing them that they're, they're important is showing God's love. Mm. Um, it's not about necessarily changing their religion. It's not about anything. It's, but it's the fact that like the God I follow comes to me first. The God I follow um, loves me before I love, mm. love him. And, um, but he invites you into this like amazing journey of of walking with him and loving him and knowing him. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's just this, this experience that you have. I mean, it just, what I had was, it was like a bullet, you know, it's like, it just fired like everything. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just Mm. amazing to, to love people the way God loves you. Mm. Uh, And I I love that what you talked about, the revival starts with the individual. Yeah. Revival starts with the one. Yeah. And, and how it's not about trying to make people Christian. We said this many times when we were on outreach, right? Mm-hmm. My, what Jesus is asking me to do as a follower of Jesus is not to make people Christian because Jesus isn't a Christian, yeah. right? Jesus is bigger than Christianity. What Jesus is asking me to do is to represent him to people and then allow them to go on a journey with him as to where that goes, you know? Mm-hmm. And so... That's why it's so key, not only what we say, but how we say it. Yeah. And that, that's what you were saying. It's like sometimes we can miss the one because we're so focused on the many. Yeah. Because we think that's what revival needs to look like. Mm-hmm. But actually when we spend time with love, we become love. Yeah. And you see, you could be saying all the right things, but saying it in all the wrong ways. And as a result, it's not helpful to people and it doesn't represent Jesus well. You know, yeah. Sometimes the way we talk about the good news is not very good at all. And so our methods undermine our message. Yeah. 
But what you're talking about is when we come face to face with love, we become love. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden we, we get a value for people. We're okay to just listen. Uh, we're, we're okay to love people for love's sake. And then trusting that Jesus moves in and starts to do what he's doing in that mm-hmm. space, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. And I, I think something that I was just reminded of is like um, before, before this whole experience and DTS and all that, um, I actually was planning on working with animals. I love animals. Um, but I was, I was so focused that I, I just didn't like people. <laughs> I was like, I don't like people. I don't like spending time with people. You know, I was like, I'm going to find a career where I can spend a lot of time with animals, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. not interactions with humans. Um, and this whole journey has taught me so much that, um, like I'm, I'm here to love people, yeah. um, because of how much God loves me. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so it's like my, everything has changed. Yeah. Um, but I'm just like so excited to see what the Lord does of just like, like I don't have as much pressure of what I'm going to do every day of, yeah. of striving to do something right anymore because the reality is people are everywhere mm-hmm. um, and that's my mission. Yeah. So I can do anything um, as long as I'm just loving people, loving who God puts in front of me because it's not a coincidence who stands in front of you um, before you're getting groceries. Like really there's, it's, it's not a coincidence of somebody dropping their stuff and you help them pick it up. You know, yeah. it's... He, he wants, he's putting these people in front of you just so that all you have to do is just listen to them, yeah. you know, value them as a human being. Um, and you'd be surprised how many people actually don't um, get that, you yeah. know? They're like, when's the last time you actually had a conversation where people just listen to you? Brilliant. And um, yeah, and it's just, I just, it takes off a lot of pressure about whether if you want to um, be maybe like a missionary or be somebody who brings the gospel, um, that it doesn't always have to be the gospel. (laughs) Like, um, if you live your life in a way that you're, you're showing who, who God is by your actions and by the way you love people, it's like, it takes so much pressure off, you know? Um, but living out of this overflow of, of God, just, just washing away all your sins every day, um, that you're, you have this energy that you can't, um, run out of. There's this cup, this overflowing cup that's constantly filling you up. Um, oh, it's just incredible to, to know that I can go out and love people and come back and be filled up and get even more than I gave away. Mm. Um, so that's just, I don't know, it just takes a lot of pressure off of, of what I'm going to do. Like, I mean, I didn't know what I was going to do before this. And to the extent I don't, yeah, yeah. still don't fully know what I'm going to do. But it's like, as long as I'm loving people, then I'm, I'm walking in the kingdom. I'm, I'm being who Jesus wants me to be is, is just loving people and that's my mission. Yeah. So, yeah. so good. And, and the loving people is the overflow of the loving Him. You know? Yeah. And for me, that's a faith position because what I find, I've, I am the kind of person who wants to make sure the outcome is good. You know what I mean? I've got in my mind what significance looks like. Yeah. And so I'm like, God, it better look like this and it better look like that. So for me, it actually requires faith to surrender the outcome and trust the process mm-hmm. and to trust that when Jesus says, if you abide in me, I will produce much fruit through your life. Mm-hmm. And so then to prioritize abiding and to trust the fruit, mm-hmm. that that's actually a choice I've got yeah. to make in myself, you know? Yeah. And that even comes to like a day-to-day decision of like, like I could go out and talk to a bunch of people, but like, is it a waste of time if I just sit here with him? Mm-hmm. Is it a waste of time if I worship him for like an hour? Is it a waste of time if I worship him for 10 minutes? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like just coming to him and worshiping him and then he'll do the rest. Mm. And like, 
oh, it's just an amazing, oh, yeah. it's amazing. <laughs> and, and that's the thing is like, the more you calibrate your heart toward him, the, the more you live in that intimacy, yeah. the walls between what is worship and isn't worship start to break down. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. all of a sudden, the conversation with the person is as much worship as the song in the bedroom, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so those, all those boundaries start dissolving because... Uh, because we're not outcomes based with Jesus, mm -hmm. you know, we're not, yeah. we're not, tr we're not putting around him all these categories that make him worth our time. We're just saying that Jesus is not a means to another end. He is the end himself. Mm -hmm. Right. And so as we prioritize sitting at his feet, that's the one thing that matters most and won't be taken away from us. And then as we bump into people in the world, the overflow of the Christ that is in us that we're awake to starts to impact people's lives in a very simple way. And I think you're right, the pressure comes off. Because yeah. now I don't have to try and determine what fruit looks like because mm -hmm. he's producing the fruit. Yeah. I'm choosing the abiding, you know? Mm. It's amazing. So amazing. good. Yeah. Thank you for being on a follow-up podcast. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was so yeah. much fun. I'm yeah. so excited to be here. And thank you for the journey. Yeah. It's been good. And guys, back home, I hope this has been helpful. And I hope that these 10 mountains have helped you in your friendship with Jesus. Uh, there'll be a new series coming soon, I'm sure. As always, I'm not really sure what that is because we're following Jesus. We're figuring it out as we go. But uh, I would say out of this, uh, this mountain of revival really sums up, I think for a lot of us in our team, the biggest lesson that we learned, which is to say at the end of the day, it really is all about Jesus. And one of the biggest mountains that have to bow down in his presence is the ways that we make it about everything else but him. Even in the places where we call ourselves Christian. And so in your walk with Jesus, maybe as you've gone through this journey, and maybe even if you've listened to this talk, maybe the invitation from the Spirit is to, to say, hey man, am I still the main thing? <laughs> you know, are you running around trying to tidy up your house? Or maybe, maybe the Spirit's inviting you just to come sit at His feet and to prioritize abiding in your life, trusting that the overflow of that will be the fruit that God wants, even if it doesn't look like what you thought was needed. Mm. So uh, thanks so much. And we'll talk to you soon.